Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you as your children. Speak to us. We come asking for your Holy Spirit. Fill us. We come asking for forgiveness as we've already prayed. Forgive us. And we pray for strength and joy and peace. Lord, be with your servant as I preach your word. Be with your people. May we all receive your word and may you purify us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a privilege to be here today, and uh, this is, I believe, the third Super Bowl Sunday in a row that I've preached, and uh, I confess to uh, not really knowing who's playing. Uh, I know, I think the Panthers are in it, uh, and the Broncos, so yeah, uh, but uh, I was trying to think of a, a football metaphor or something, and I couldn't come up with anything. But when I think about uh, my own life and times when I have needed help or times when I have done something uh, less than wise uh, or just downright foolish, a lot of times my mind goes back to my uh, high school days. Uh, there were a group of us that would a uh, friend of mine decided based on watching another friend of mine, we wanted to learn to surf, and so we would drive two hours uh, in my friend's 1971 Volkswagen Squareback, and uh, hopefully it was running okay. Uh, if not, you had this little screw that would make it run better. I think that was a carburetor, but uh, they were times of adventure, and uh, they were times of learning, things like make sure you pack clothes before you drive two hours. Uh, make sure you bring knives and forks so that when you cook your steak, you don't have to just grab it off of the grill and, uh, you know, lots of things like that. Um, and uh, we would go to Pismo Beach, um, and if any of you have ever been to Pismo Beach, it's a little bit like Kailua Beach except cold, and the sand isn't as nice and the one really good thing about it that uh, brings a lot of people there, uh, it's not surfing. The sandbar goes out for a quarter mile, so you can walk out uh, about 250 yards and still be waist deep, uh, so it's a, a long walk or paddle. But uh, the one really good thing is you can drive on the beach in whatever uh, motorized vehicle you can get your hands on. Uh, it's permitted, and... Uh, that means it's a good place to, to drive onto and camp. It also means that you'll see people uh, doing crazy things on uh, dirt bikes and three-wheelers and four-wheelers and all kinds of things. But uh, one of my memories, and I honestly can't remember which trip it is, and I'm, I might be merging a few memories together, but uh, uh, one of the things I remember is that uh, at times the tide would come in and you'd have to make sure you were somewhere else so that your vehicle didn't uh, get washed out to sea. And uh, every once in a while, you'd get stuck in the sand because uh, passenger cars that are front-wheel drive don't do real well uh, in powdery sand. And uh, I can remember one time getting, getting stuck. And there was a danger that someone would come and decide to help you and they would bring their big four-wheeler, and they would gun it and throw sand everywhere, and guess what would happen to them? They would get stuck, too. 
And uh, I do remember one of the trips having someone who was a little bit wiser and knew that the thing to do was not try to tow someone out by uh, gunning it and trying to just power your way out, but you just needed to dig a little bit, maybe put a piece of wood under the tire, and, uh, and you could get out just fine. Well, in today's text, Paul tells us to rest, uh, seek to restore those who have stumbled, but he also gives a warning. Uh, he says, be careful, otherwise you might get stuck too. Uh, and uh, we are called to bear one another's burdens. We're also to keep watch on ourselves. And uh, in a lot of ways, this is, this is a difficult text to preach. It's not necessarily one where, you know, like Ezekiel, you have to figure out what's exactly going on, but the Word of God is a two-edged sword, and, uh, and this is a pointed text, uh, and one we do have to be careful with. Uh, one of the first dangers is that we have to be careful that we don't start with Galatians 6 without keeping Galatians 1 through 5 firmly uh, in grasp. Uh, this is not Paul getting to a point saying, all right, we are done with the gospel. We have moved on. Uh, notice at no point does he say we need to put ourselves back under uh, the law. He does mention the law of Christ, but this is not, let's go back to how things were. This is not all right, Galatians, uh, you've been living uh, a bit legalistically. I'm going to just tell you to tweak your attitude a little bit and uh, make sure that uh, when you're living under law, you're a little less legalistic. It's not what Paul is doing. Uh, and so what we need to be careful is that we remember that we have been saved by grace through faith. Paul hammers that home throughout the the entire uh, book of Galatians. And you don't have to go very far back before he's calling the Galatians foolish for trying to live out of their own strength. Uh, and what Paul comes to them and says is that, look, we are not saved because we saved ourselves. We're saved by the Spirit. We are not uh, justified because of works of the law we are justified because Christ died. Uh, and we do not place ourselves back under the old covenant. We are free from that, but free so that we can be free, not so that we can uh, connect ourselves back to sin or law or anything like that. And so it's important to remember that Paul is working from a foundation where Christ has saved you freely, where the Holy Spirit has taken you and brought you from death to life, where it is no longer Christ who lives in you, or sorry, it is no longer you who live, it is Christ who lives in you. And only when we, we get that down can we begin to, th to think about the other things. We should also keep in mind what Pastor Todd has been uh, preaching through in Galatians 5. Uh, that the way we live is to live by the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says that that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something we do ourselves. 
the Westminster, Confession, uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, when it asks, what is sanctification? That's what is being made holy? Our temptation would be to say, well, that's when uh, you understand Jesus died for you and now you work hard. But it begins. Sanctification uh, is an act of God's spirit whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. So we need to be careful that we don't start out on the wrong foot and think that, okay, now this is about effort, this is about doing the right thing, uh, and we are somehow either on our own or God's going to help those who help themselves. That's not, that's not what we find here. Instead, the foundation of what Paul says is the gospel. And the gospel is the work of Christ on the cross and the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Out of this foundation, then we can enter into this. And what do we enter into? Uh, You might notice that this sermon didn't have a title. I'm still working on it. I'll get it to Bailey, I think, um, next week, which might be a bit late. But uh, as I was thinking about it, it was something like the fruit of the Spirit in the mud of the flesh. Uh, You have both in this passage. Uh, And Paul is on one hand an idealist who sees the greatness and the majesty of Christ, of him as Lord of all, of Uh, the wonder and freedom of the gospel where we are forgiven for believing. And that's all. Uh, We don't need to save ourselves. And on the other hand, he understands very well that we are fallen, we are broken, we are needy. And so, after talking about the fruit of the Spirit, after saying in in the last one, or the last chapter, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Uh, He begins, chapter 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression. Now, a few things to say on that phrase. Uh, One is that people do get caught. And Paul is not talking about getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. It's not that kind of caught. This isn't if you catch someone point out to them, you've got your hand in the cookie jar, you need to take it out right now. That's, that's not what Paul is saying. Instead, he's been talking about walking with the Spirit. And when we walk, sometimes we stumble. And the word for caught here is similar to the idea of trapped or entrapped. So the idea here is that you have been walking as a Christian, and this is these are Christians in mind. This is not addressing someone outside the church who is caught in sin. This is addressing someone in the church who is caught in sin. The idea here is that you've been walking. And this is a little more than stubbing your toe. This is you've caught your foot and you're stuck and you can't get out on your own. Uh... That's normal. Uh, We do need to take that seriously. We need to take our own sin seriously. But normal Christians stumble. Isaiah 40, 
verses 30 and 31, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The one caught in sin is not a special class of sinner. This is not someone uh, who has uh, put themselves forward and said, I am going to entrench myself in something I know to be wrong and I'm saved by grace, so it's fine. This is, this is Paul talking about us in a moment of weakness or in a moment of spiritual assault and we've taken a bad fall and on our own, we're not able to rise and get back in step. One of the ways I'd say you know that you're caught is if you try to get out and you can't. Um, certainly we see this with sins of addiction uh, where when it comes to something like alcoholism or pornography or something and there's, there's effort but it doesn't get anywhere. Uh, And so we need to understand that Paul is talking to regular people. And being caught in sin is a, a real danger, and it's one we need to be on guard against. Uh, Peter tells us to be on guard because Satan is walking around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. As Pastor Todd has talked about, our flesh is very real. Uh, and our flesh does not like to be refined. Uh, and so... Even Paul himself, Romans 7, verses 21 through 25, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. In other words, Paul wants to do the right thing because he loves Jesus and he loves what's right. But his sinful flesh gets in the way. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's also worth pointing out that uh, Peter... The Apostle Peter stumbled. And you go back a few chapters, and what do we see? We see Paul addressing the idea of, of legalism. And Peter, uh, I'm convinced it's at least possible he was trying to do the right thing, that he was uh, trying to keep peace in all circles. Uh, it's also possible that he was uh, working from something more sinister. Uh, but either way, here you had Peter after receiving the Holy Spirit, eating only with Jews, and Paul had to go to him, to his face, and say, brother, you can't live that way. Uh, and so, Paul is not setting up a, a category of a special class of sinners. This is regular people. Our... 
that verse continues. If anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, it'd be easy to read this and say, all right, I'm off the hook. Uh, this, is, this is work for the spiritual. Uh, we'll let the pastors deal with this one. Uh, Paul is not setting up a, ca- a class of special sinners, and he's also not setting up a special class of Christian either. Uh, spiritual here is not really with a capital S, spiritual. This is not uh, saintly Christians who have achieved a high level of sanctification, at least not in any kind of ultimate sense. What Paul is talking about is what it means to be spiritual in chapter 5. And what does it mean to be spiritual? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Instead, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And those are not things that only some Christians are called to. They're things that Paul calls all of us to. Jesus calls all of us to seek him, and we are all to seek to be filled with the Spirit. So what we see here is Paul saying that if you are a Christian, if you are walking with the Spirit, seek to restore those who have fallen and can't get up on their own. Uh, This isn't just work for pastors or elders or professional counselors. Uh, This is a work for the whole church. Now that said, it's something we should be very careful in uh, because we need to recognize that all of us can get caught. We can all get caught up in sin. And so it is a dangerous thing, or at least something to be cautious of, when we see in someone else something that we see they need help with. Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Uh, It is the job of the Christian to help others, but it's something we should be slow and careful to do. Uh, We should not be quick to say, this is my job to fix it. For a number of years, uh, I was a substitute teacher, and I think those of you who are parents and those of you who are teachers, especially those of you who teach young children, will, uh, I think this will resonate with you. But when I was a substitute teacher, I did all grades. And I think one of the lessons I learned in, in doing that was there is no quicker and more thorough critique of wrongdoing in the world than a second grader. Uh, They see the world, it is clear to them. And so I would hear things. uh, You wouldn't hear this in kindergarten, they're sort of fine. Uh, You're letting us play in the mud, that's fine. Uh, Our teacher wouldn't do that, but thanks. Uh, The second grader, Mr. Substitute, you are doing this wrong. 
you have us sitting in a circle clockwise. We should sit in a circle counterclockwise. You can ponder that one. Uh, You are writing with the wrong color ink on the board. Our teacher uses blue for nouns, and I don't know if they know that, but uh, the game should be played this way, not that way. Who? How dare you cross that line put into place by our teacher who knows everything? Uh, you, Mr. Substitute, are wrong. We have that danger in us that we look at others and we think, I've got to fix that. I am right. They are wrong. I see clearly. uh, They do not. Paul warns us to be on guard. In helping someone else, we need to keep watching ourselves. Jesus said, When you're checking for the speck in your brother's eye, check your own eye first. Examine your own heart to see that you're not endangering yourself. And then there's James, who says that basically any time we open our mouth, it's a dangerous thing, and uh, our mouth is set on fire by hell. And whoever is able to keep watch over their tongue is a perfect man, which none of us are. And so we do need to watch ourselves, and particularly we need to be on guard that we are not going in with pride, saying, I'm, I'm spiritual. I can help you, you weak person. Uh, that's dangerous. And on one hand, we can get caught in the very same thing that they're caught in. And we need to be careful that we are not entering into an area where, yeah, I've been there. I know how it is to struggle there. Let me help you and then find that we're caught in that very same sin. We also need to be careful that we are not caught in another sin. Again, pride is one of them. Gossip is another. How easy it is to go in self-righteous and help someone who needs our help and then suddenly find that we have perhaps hated them in our own heart, perhaps uh, spoken maliciously without even realizing it. Uh, And yet Christ calls us to do this. This is something, again, the whole body is called uh, to do this. And there are going to be times when honestly you're going to have to say, you know what? I can't help here. You can always pray. I have to let someone else help. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Now there's also a sense in some of us that we think, well, Paul is talking to the spiritual people and I'm not that. I don't feel like I have much to offer. In Matthew 25, Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, 
and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, it doesn't say next, for you were super spiritual and you helped somebody who only you could help. This is what he says. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Brothers and sisters, you have been given the Holy Spirit. And yes, you should go in cautiously, but you should go in. And yes, there are going to be times when, uh, when you're going to have to say, no, this is not my job. I need to let someone else here help here. But there are going to be times when it is going to be your job. Uh, and the Lord will call you. Now, how do we go in? Paul warns us not to go in with a sense of pride or superiority. It is our job to help one another and to minister through the Spirit. It is not our job to fix other people uh, or to save them. It is Christ alone who saves. It is the Spirit alone who works in hearts and brings brings life. But it is our job to enter and to follow Christ's living. Verse 3 is important here. The ESV reads this way, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It's a fine translation. I really like the New Living Translation. Listen to this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. The ESV may be closer to the Greek. Uh, it is. Um, there are times when a good paraphrase hits it on the head. I'm not that important either. None of us are that important. Uh, none of us are too important to help someone else. None of us are so important that we can think, I'm immune. I can walk into this. I don't need to check my own heart. I'm good. Romans 12.3 puts it another way. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. How do we go in? We go in humbly. How do you go in humbly? It is a hard thing to be humble and gentle when you feel 
that you have achieved something and the other person has not, it is a very difficult thing to go in proudly when you understand, but for the grace of God, there go I. My throat is an open grave. My tongue is set on fire. I am prone to hate others in my heart, and Jesus saved me anyway. I have nothing to give, but Jesus saved me. If we go in with that attitude, that's how we should go. Brothers and sisters, we're never going to do that perfectly. We can get into the the trap that, like, okay, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not humble enough. Uh, There's a time at which Martin Luther's words to Melanchthon, go uh, sin boldly, uh, which doesn't mean, by the way, that Luther was telling him, go sin all you want. Melanchthon was concerned that he would sin by doing one thing, he'd sin by doing another thing, he'd sin by doing nothing. Luther's advice was, yeah, you're going to sin, Jesus will cover it. Go try to do the right thing. You're going to mess up. Jesus has got you. The Spirit will work. Uh, And so when we seek to help others, if we've examined our own hearts and we're going in remembering that it is Christ who saves us, not us, not we who save ourselves, then we are equipped. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this to the people, and this is a good passage to remember, especially when we are seeking to minister to others, but but all the time. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Now, some of you have grown up in the church. Some of you uh, did not, and you remember very clearly. All of us, I think, can look back and say, The Lord has brought me through some things. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. I'll read that again. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Brothers and sisters, in this passage, we are not the strong, we are not the wise. We are the weak, we are the lowly. We are the ones that Christ looked at and said, I'm going to save you anyway. And praise be to God who has delivered us from our own sin, from our own flesh. And praise be to God who has given us each other. Another way to kind of summarize these things is do not try to serve apart from the gospel. 
When we seek to serve in any capacity, we should remember our own brokenness. We should remember that Christ died for us. We should remember that we have nothing in ourselves to offer. And we should remember that the Holy Spirit will make up for whatever uh, we lack when we serve. I wanted to say a few things too. You may be at a place where you are visiting here or you've been here a while and you may be feeling like you're looking in from the outside on a on a conversation where Paul is speaking to Christians. This gospel is for you too. And you may feel, hey, I I am caught. Uh, what should I do? Turn to the Lord Jesus. Pray to him saying, I'm stuck. Deliver me from my sin. Get me out of this. Give me life. And the Bible is clear that God will hear your prayer. In conclusion, I wanted to say the gospel demands all of us. On one hand, it's free. On the other hand, this is a tough calling. And as I was thinking through it, uh, some of the words of the Heidelberg Catechism came to mind. When we are seeking to do this, we can't hold back. Heidelberg Catechism asks in question 88, what is the true repentance and conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming of life to the new. Pastor Todd has preached on that. We've seen that in Galatians. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. We see this in seeking to live by the Spirit and uh, seek to put away the flesh. And question number 90, what is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. And we see a slice of that in our text today that out of the power of the gospel and the joy of the gospel, we have uh, been called to live in community. It would be so much easier if Paul had stopped at chapter 5, but he keeps going. And in the end of our text, we read this, verse 10, and I know I've focused only on really verses 1 through 3, but so then, as we have opportunity Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Do that with joy and delight, knowing that it is God who works things through you. It is the Spirit uh, who brings about all these things. Since it's Super Bowl Sunday, we'll take a a short break, and then I'll continue with the second half of my (laughs) sermon. Just kidding. Uh, That's all. Remember. Christ has died for you. Christ loves you. And he will, not, he will not leave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be with us. Lord, 